make money online. Um, are you recording? I am. We are. We are hot. We are live, as the kids say. I don't actually know what the kids say. Um, they probably just say emoji on Snapchat. Emoji on Snapchat. We are emoji on Snapchat. Yeah. And probably the poop emoji on Snapchat. That's outside of the brand guidelines. Uh, did you get the facts I sent you? It, it was quite extensive. I can refax the 400 page, page brand guidelines if you would like. Did you fax it to me on Snapchat? I, in fact, did. Their uh, fax option is both easy to use and quite affordable. Thank you for sponsoring this episode, Snapchat. Did you see um, who the fuck had faxing recently? Some, like, OS-level thing or, like, Dropbox or something? ScanBot does faxes now. That's it. Oh, my God, that's so satisfying. I use ScanBot every day, and I have to fax, like, at least once a month. Wow. Like... I, uh, I, A, I want to circle back to ScanBot because it's an amazing app, and I never use it, so I want to know how you use it. B... Uh, I've always used HelloFax, and so I'm super excited about SnapBot uh, uh, having or ScanBot. I used to use Fax Zero, um, and now I use ScanBot, and it's it's fine. Like Fax Zero is usually free, but it gives you like an advertisement. But I'm just assuming that because you have a fax machine, you're like opening yourself up to spam. So like it's just Tuesday if I if I spam you by you know just doing that for free by being a cheapskate. Um, the ScanBot, every time a letter comes in from a government, it gets scanned and put on, and then it auto-syncs to Dropbox, and then I batch out Dropbox and then um, file it into a series of shared folders that go to my accountant or my lawyers, respectively, um, just so they can have shit for their files. So if the IRS, like... Do you know that um, the only way to know whether the IRS actually received something, uh, there's basically a life hack for this where you give a very slightly different address every single time you want to correspond with the IRS. And it can be something like AVE instead of AV or AVENUE or AV period. And those count as different addresses. And then the way that you do that is you file something and then you get back a letter that says, we just changed your, we just updated your address. If this was an error, you know, you can reach out to us. If not, take no action. And so I just have like literally 300, we just changed your address things from draft from the past like five years because my accountant is unbelievable at keeping a consistent paper trail and so every time i get back a we just changed your address form it's because they received something and correctly filed it that is astounding and amazing and one of the best life hacks i've ever heard it's one of the best life hacks and i mean run that by your accountant but like keep that one in mind um, another thing I do, I use ScanBot to scan all of my travel documents. So um, when I'm traveling, I scan my credit cards uh, front and back in case they get stolen. Uh, driver's license, passport, card, passport. Um, I even go so far as to have birth certificate to prove citizenship. So I have notarized birth certificates of both me and Aaron. Um, this will matter considerably more once Italian citizenship goes through. Um, 
which we are apparently three months away, which I don't know when that's, it, it's going to be not a thing until it's a thing, but like we made all, it's Italian months. It's Italy time. Um, Italy is a shockingly efficient country when it comes to the train system and uh, when their churches open <laughs> and fucking nothing else. Does anything else really matter? Actually, no, that's not right. They're extremely efficient when it comes to getting espresso into your body. Oh my gosh, yes. Have you been to Italy? No, but I've heard stories from people and they speak yeah. very fast for a very long time. Um, Italy is some of the most interesting and distinct coffee culture on earth. It is uh, usually uh, like burned flavorless espresso, but you are drinking it at a bar and you just lean against the bar, jawing with everybody around you in this amazing social atmosphere. And it is everywhere in the country. It is one euro. You are paying one euro for your espresso. You put a, the, the ritual of showing up, putting a single euro coin on the counter and they just take it and an espresso appears and you just drink the espresso and you go on your way and you just do this continuously over the course of your day. I've never been a place where there's anything like that. Um, the last industrialized country that Howard Schultz decided to expand Starbucks to was Italy for that reason. Because a single espresso in a Starbucks is more than one euro, but not in Italy. It has to be one euro or no one will go there. I, I'm, I'm boggled at this. Uh, yeah. It's just weird because it's not what you think of when you think of a coffee place. It's not third wave. They aren't um, any sort of aesthetic improvement in the coffee. Like the quality of the coffee comes from not the beans like every other coffee joint ever or not from the roasting, but from the, the expensiveness and over preparation of the espresso machine. So I went someplace in Milan that made that was known as like the fucking Giro of espresso lol. It was an octogenarian guy. And it was because he had built his own espresso machine and he was the only one who knew how to operate it. And he he spent two hours fine tuning it at four in the morning every morning. Holy Jesus Christ. Um and and it was among I don't want to say the best espresso I've had in my life because I'm a third wave coffee guy. You know that everybody knows that. And you simply get better returns from it in terms of crop yield, in terms of roasting quality, in terms of uh, shelf stability, all of those things. Right. But that was the best Italian espresso I had on my whole honeymoon. I tell you that. Um, and it was some of the most interesting, genuinely interesting, not like, oh, thinking face, but like actually interesting espressos I've ever had because it was still burned beans because they don't know how to not do that in Italy. Um, but, um, man, he did the best with the burned beans that he possibly fucking could have. And I could easily imagine mainlining that stuff. It was really something. Dang, I make, it brings to mind that Lincoln quote, what is it? If I have uh, like six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four sharpening my axe. And what is this man doing but sharpening the metaphorical axe every morning, making yeah. sure his tools are in the right state? Yeah, yeah, you're calibrating the machine. And I've heard stories of like, if this machine breaks, they're closed for the day. They don't get to sell their espresso. And everyone is sad and he's sad. 
So he has a strong incentivization to not only repair the machine, but also dial it in to his specification. And I don't really think you have to do that when you're doing pours, right? You only sort of have to do that when you're doing espresso because you kind of get to emit diminishing returns. And it becomes more about the technique and the quality of the water that you're using and also the quality of the beans in the roasting time. Um, those, those are the things that matter more. And um, it, it strikes me as spending so much time focusing on not the wrong thing, but like the third or fourth priority thing. You know, is that dumb? I don't know. It's it's weird. And also just get espresso, never get a latte. Like you, you are drinking straight espresso in Italy the entire time. Like don't, no, no. You're clearly a foreigner if you're, no, <laughs> no. So, so veering in a slightly different direction, I've had a couple Info friends. products. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. A different, different direction. I've had friends say like, what is third wave coffee? I read the Wikipedia and I'm now more confused. Uh, For our listeners, for people in the audience, for my friends who say, what the fuck is third wave? Please explain. Uh, Give give us the TLDR. Give us a summary of it. Okay. So uh, first wave is your can of Stewart's coffee that you had burned that was miserable, right? Um, And canonical like diner coffee, not, not coffee. Starbucks is second wave, okay? So uh, effectively, they, um, there are three grades of a bean, and um, God, I forget one of them. It's Robusta and Arabica are the two that you should know about. Robusta is basically canned shitty coffee. And this was from the like, 80s and 90s when you could get tins of coffee for, for unbelievably low amounts of money. And you could still, like if you go to a bodega and you get like Cafe Bustello or something like that, that's a first wave coffee. Um, and then second wave coffee is uh, basically they found out that Arabica was a higher quality bean that had more delicate flavors. And then they continued to burn the beans because all we knew about coffee in the 80s and 90s was bitterness and darkness. Right. And so we were doing the wrong thing to the right beans. And that was Starbucks came up on that. Um and became insanely famous as a result and is like, you know, world beating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fine. Great on Starbucks. Congratulations on your success, whatever. Third wave is essentially um, asking the question, what if we treated coffee like it was a fine dining product and like a barista was a chef? What would coffee look like in that situation? And the answer is essentially... You have pour-overs and high-quality espresso, and you have nerds who care about, like, variations in minerality content in the water, and you have a roaster in the back room, right? It was rare that you would have roasters on site in coffee places. So, uh, I mean, once you scale up, eventually the roaster kind of goes off-site because it's uh, too expensive and too large and also a giant industrial operation that generates a lot of smoke. Um, so you have a way to, you know, get rid of that and fume hood it off. Um, but if you go place in Chicago, like Gaslight, for example, they have um, they have a roaster in the back and they just roast their coffee every week and then they put it out. And it is expected that you make that coffee within about two weeks. Uh, you should treat it as if it is bananas, like it's about that long to spoil. And so you get diminishing returns later on. 
Um, if you have particularly old coffee that's nudging the two-week mark, you could still use it. What do you do with bananas that are old? You make banana bread, you know? You make you you cook with them. Um, so what we do in, in our house is we buy like multiple pounds of two-week-old coffee or like 13-day-old coffee, and we make a cold brew out of it because all you need to do is steep it for two weeks or whatever. Um, overnight, I think Aaron does it for, and you just get time travel juice out of it. Um, but you're basically looking at, you, you have been presented with beans. Okay. There are beans in front of you. How old are they? Well, great. The date is now printed on it. So you know that they're three or four days old. Um, what brew method should you use with them? Well, I don't know. Ask your barista because there are many different brew methods. There's espresso, there's a uh, Hario, there's um, Aeropress, there's Chemex, there's Solo, there's uh, Kalita, there's Clever Dripper. Um, if you are inside of a Starbucks, there's also Clover, which they purchased the, the patented rights to uh, about 10 years ago. And so there are a lot of different ways to skin the proverbial cat, right? And you can brew something that is recommended for V60 on a Chemex. Nobody's going to put a gun against your head, but like there's... Just as you would say, okay, well, I just got early season asparagus and it's particularly thin. There's one way to cook thin asparagus and one way to cook thick purple asparagus. And you're probably, if you know what you're doing in the kitchen, not going to fuck around and do the wrong thing, right? Um, the same with coffee. That is essentially what third wave coffee is. And so that's the trappings of it that you see as a consumer, Um you see basically you're coming in and you see a bunch of people with weird pour over kettles and they have a bunch of different brewing apparatuses and it looks like a mad science laboratory. And then you have a bunch of questions. There's usually a bunch of bags of beans on the side and they all have dates printed on them. Um, that's because that is the roast date. Um, the roast date matters more than the pick date. Um, but that also matters, and they should be able to answer those questions. If you go to a place and they know their salt, you should be able to know where it came from, what the process was for getting the bean out of the coffee cherry. Was it uh, what's called a natural process where it's dried and sloughed off? Or is it what's called a washed process where they use water to get rid of the husk? Um, they should be able to answer that question for you. I ask that question often. Um, they should be able to tell you uh, basically the flavor profile and what brew method it's especially good for. They should also be able to tell you... Um, any place worth their salt should have so much passion that you should be like, if I buy this bag, will you be sad that it's gone because you were planning on using your employee discount to get it later? Like, ah! I ask that question often. <laughs> and then they like freeze up and they're like, I have to answer it truthfully. I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. We're not bluffing on this one. Um, but then they know they're talking to a nerd, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want... There is so, even within this whole fucked up ritual, um, the great thing about being in the coffee is broadly, you never have to care about that. And as a result, most people don't. So when you walk in and start asking about Ethiopia Yurka Chef washed processes, they, they're like, come in my wayward son. And you walk out traveling through time because they do a cupping for you. Like they they take care of their own because they know you've been converted. And also if you've been converted, you probably have enough money to afford really nice coffee. 
Um, coffee is a, it's an affordable luxury and you can like trade off in your life and, and appreciate it on its own terms. Um, it's cheaper than say getting into wine or even in many ways, craft beer at this point. Um, does that answer the, the question about, um, third wave? I feel like I, I went in a lot of different directions with it. No, it really does. Uh, one follow-up question that comes to mind is how do you contrast coffee culture and tea culture? Since it seems like a lot of the elements of (laughs) God almighty. Um, what were you going to say? A lot of the elements that you describe as defining this third wave appreciation seem very present in tea culture. So is tea at an equivalent place to third wave coffee? Is tea post equivalent third wave coffee? Is it another different spectrum? Uh, What do you see as the differences and the similarities between the two cultures? How do you find the question that's going to get me screaming? Um, Every time, every time. So, um, tea i got into tea before i got into coffee just to be abundantly clear and i um there is one coffee sitting over there that's a really nice panamanian coffee that aaron got from um from half wit in chicago if you guys if you're all chicago and coffee nerds then you're probably applauding um but uh next to it is a cabinet that has i believe no fewer than 25 kinds of tea <laughs> i'm i'm into tea so um God, where to begin? The care is there. Um, I'm going to step back a bit and talk a little bit about a lady named Sally Fallon. Um, Sally Fallon uh, wrote a cookbook that was insanely influential in California School of Cooking called Nourishing Traditions and I believe the 80s, and she's a total fucking hippie. Um, and it basically says, like, you know, eat animals and use every part of them and uh, ferment your milk and eat raw milk or drink raw milk and um, and kombucha is really your friend and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but one thing that she says is basically we've already been doing food right for 2000 years. And so we don't have to particularly innovate on it. Um, I believe that is the case for most kinds of tea. There are very small exceptions um, within tea, but it is also a deeply, um, it's still very deeply provincial and traditional as a result of, of it hooking into those traditions. So if you have e.g. a sencha, there's 2,000 years of Japanese tradition on harvesting sencha, and frankly, I don't know how you can improve upon it, right? Um, the same with Darjeeling's. Um, single estate Darjeeling's have existed for several hundred years minimum, um, and I'm sure there are some listeners that might be extreme nerds about this. Um, but uh, in uh, Pu'er, it is simultaneously insanely traditional. You cannot get anything but like ultra traditional Gong Fu Pu'er if you go to China. And then there's one motherfucker in Wisconsin who decided to innovate on it, right? Wisconsin. You know why Wisconsin? Because he grew up eating smoked sausages and Gouda for his entire life and thought that Pu'er was similarly smoky. And so he has a life's mission to get Wisconsinites into Pu'er. And I forget the name of his thing. If you just Google Wisconsin Pu'er, it's probably the only thing that's going to pop up. For for a Um, listener that hasn't uh, experienced Pu'er, describe Describe the experience. Describe the smokiness. Uh, well, if you like scotch, you're going to love Pu'er. That's basically <laughs> it. 
or Lapsang Sushong. It is a, um, it's provided in a cake, um, but not like an actual pastry cake. I mean, like a slab that looks about the size of a, a small potato pancake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe about a centimeter and a half thick and uh, probably about six inches in diameter. Um, and they are aged for decades uh, or years. Uh, and so you can have pu'er cakes. I, I encountered some in Hong Kong that were, um, I believe, like $30,000 USD, whatever, uh, whatever 200,000 Hong Kong is, something like that. Divide by eight, I believe, is the rule. Right, A lot, a car. You're buying a car of tea, okay? Um, so there's, there's that. The consequence is very funky and smoky, and you are supposed to steep it like like up to a dozen times. And it is a like in a lot of Chinese food traditions, you just sit there and talk for hours about the issues of the day. It's like going out to dim sum, and you have pu'er, um, which is more of like a it's the the ceremony by which you make pu'er is called gong fu. Um, and it's very elaborate, <laughs> very over the top, and there are names for everything that you're doing within it. Um, but the consequence is that you're drinking um, warmed uh, liquefied dirt, and it's fantastic. It tastes funky and wonderful, and it is not for everyone. So that's what pu'er is. So uh, to go back to your original question about, um, about tea, people are simultaneously woke to tea and simultaneously fucking up tea. Like... And, and in the United States, tea adoption, I know that everyone is going to hate on me for this. I think it's dismal. I think it's horrible. And you could be like, well, I have a tea shop in my town. Have you gone inside that tea shop and seen what it is they're selling? If it's tea with rose petals in it, they are fucking up. Okay. If it's tea that steeps up purple, they are fucking up. When I mean tea, I mean Camellia sinensis, the plant, and what you are doing with it. And there is a lot of things that you can do with Camellia sinensis, the plant. Okay? That means you get white, green, oolong, black, um, and then weird variants like pu'er or souchong or whatever have you, like smoked teas. And that's it. That is it. End of list. Red tea is a different plant. It comes from South Africa. It's great. It's fine. It's fine. But the traditions around tea, 95% of them, minus red tea, um, they involve the plant, Camellia sinensis, and occasional extremely controlled adulterations of that plant, such as Earl Grey or Jasmine, um, which are a separate discussion. If you have a David's tea in your town, congratulations, they sell a couple single-state Darjeelings and they're collecting dust in the back. Ask them questions about it. If you've been to an Argo tea, congratulations, they're fucking up their tea. If you've been to a Tivana, God help you. Which is funny because my sister-in-law used to work at one. Um, but like Americans' perception of tea is like putting a salad in it and thinking that it's okay to pour hot water on top of it. And you may... Like, love the small things you love. I'm not going to hate on you for loving that thing. But it is not tea, and you might be missing out on believing that you have expanded your frontiers on it. Um, and, and I would encourage you to maybe give the traditional stuff a try. Um, 
And they're, the problem is that those are way harder to find, and there's probably not something that is actually providing that thing in your town. And that sucks. Like, if you live in a big city like New York or San Francisco, you can get on a train and go and get some tea. Um, so there's uh, Ipudo is uh, the tea, uh, the Sencha and Jokuro shop that has served the imperial family of Japan for 500 years. There's one in Midtown Manhattan. Thank me later. You know, but that's never guaranteed. You are not always going to encounter an Ipudo. That's the only one outside of Kyoto and Tokyo. Um, so good luck on that. So it is possible to find tea, obviously, because my cabinet is full of tea. But um, you have to hunt it and you have to know what to look for. And it is the adoption is just horrendously immature and uneven in the United States and Canada right now. And I wish that were different. What what brought you? So you started off as a tea drinker. You are now uh, uh, a coffee aficionado, a coffee drinker. What brought you from tea to coffee? Well, not migration, but what was that path like from one to the other? I married to someone whose email address is literally hooraycoffee at gmail.com. She wakes up every morning, and the first thing she does is um, flops out of bed, walks downstairs, and puts on some water for coffee. And I wake up every morning to a flawlessly executed single estate pour over next to my bed. She does not wake me up. Sometimes I wake up to it and she's gone. Sometimes I'm already up and I'm farting around on my phone or reading a book and Basil comes over and I pet him and then Aaron comes over and I have the coffee. Um, And I've done that basically every day for 10 years. I am the most spoiled human ever on coffee. Also, Also, I just exposed myself to a lot of friends who were into coffee, and I live in a city, Chicago's top five cities for coffee in the United States. If if you live in Portland or Seattle or San Francisco and you're like, well, I never, how about you fly here and spend a few days drinking our coffee? Because I've flown to your spots, you know, like I know. I know. As somebody who a year ago was not a coffee drinker, even two years ago wasn't a coffee drinker, just to get the timeline right, it was visiting Chicago and you exposing me to uh, coffee shops, coffee bars like Intelligistia. I always butchered the fucking name. Intelligentsia. Intelligentsia yeah. and other spots and realizing that, oh, what I'd been assuming was coffee, like my main experience with Starbucks and Starbucks-like places in the Pacific Northwest, wasn't actually coffee. And so it was taking that next step. And Chicago really opened my eyes to it. Uh, it seems like there's a similar exploration that people can do within tea where the Lipton's or the, the standard tea that you have from the bag, yeah, that's great, but there's a whole world out there for discovery and exploration. God, I don't even talk about bag tea. Why would you? I don't have any bag tea. Don't. <laughs> I, no. I, I just sent you a link. Uh, one of my uh, friends runs the site JT, uh, based out of Eugene, Oregon, jtinternational.com. He spends. Oh, I know them. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. You have. This is a friend of yours? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I bought their shit before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Now, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. Oh, no, just just for the listeners, uh, jtinternational.com. They do they ship beautiful, wonderful tea. Uh, one time I walked in there, and he was just cracking. He had barrel-aged his own puer for 
I think it was like a two-year aging. Like, so, not something super crazy, but crazy enough that I was like, wait, what? What did you just do? And like, he is deep into tea. He goes to Taiwan. He goes uh, to different spots in Asia every single year to source from the tea farms themselves, import it, make his own mixes, make his own varieties of it, and then sell it. Wonderful, wonderful shop. And beautifully yeah. designed. Uh, in the footer, you could see a photo of what it looks like. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, so there's, uh, the, the place I go in Chicago, if you're wondering is, um, it is an unfortunate and unpronounceable name because they're originally from, I believe, Austria, uh, and it is Austrian for tea merchant. So you get Tegeschwender, um, and they're pretty unapologetic about their fucking tea. Um, you can get the, the dumb blends there, but like you turn around from the blends and there's a wall of drawers that each have, excellent world-class single state teas that are flawlessly preserved go there walk in and be like i want a darjeeling that is um what's called first flush uh which is the first harvest that you get from darjeeling and um and i want maybe something that's like a little woodsy or, or floral or something like that or just sit and listen be like lecture me about tea i don't know what the hell i'm doing and i want to go in on the weird traditional stuff they'll They'll talk your ear off about it. It's great. They really um, will. Uh, some of my happiest moments at JT have just been sitting down at the bar and being like, "What? what's available? And take my tongue someplace interesting. And just seeing yeah. what they could make. And it's amazing. Yeah, so um, Tegish Fender's on Diversity and Orchard, I think, something. It's like east of Clark? Wherever. Um, just go east of Clark and you'll see it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, if you're bored after a Cubs game, you can just take Clark South and wind up there. Um, I, uh, I, I recommend it very highly. Um, but then that's like not what I would do if I wanted like Sencha or Puer. I would go to the Wisconsin guy for Puer and I would go to either, uh, Uputo if I wanted to blow a lot of money on shipping or Meta N, uh, if I didn't, um, for like Sencha and Geokuro. Um, similarly, I'd probably go to JT if I wanted like an oolong or something like that. I am lucky enough that a lot of people know that I'm into tea and that I've been into tea for 15 years. And so I have people that like come back from London and go to the good tea shops there. And I don't just mean like Nick D I got you some smoky Assam Earl Grey because London. No, I mean like I got really good, like, like Formosa oolongs or something like that. Um, and and they find me like you get a reputation for being a nerd for a thing and then they and then the good stuff finds you you know like i'm i don't it's like beer i mean even um i i can't tell you how many parties i've been to where it's a bunch of other beer nerds some of whom i've helped become beer nerds and then it comes back to you because they go to dark lord day and you get something really nice um or they pull out something from their cellar and then you have a nice treat and um, and you're continuing to explore it. Like there's this knock on effect where you, you start to geek out on something and then like good people that are interested in the same thing that you like find you because you live in a city with three million people and that's going to happen. Um, the same with coffee. Um, coffee people find me. I end up at, at coffee people's parties a lot and um, rarely drink coffee at them. Just drinking <laughs> because they're parties. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Is that it on tea? We just talked for half an hour on tea. That, that, that is amazing. I, I have nothing to add. Thank you. Okay. Um, we were supposed to talk about info products. Eh, that's, that's, that's what we'll tackle next. Okay. <laughs>